0: You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. Can't you? The Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast with your host Jerry Pauly and his wife Tracy, who, between you and me, definitely has a face for radio. Welcome, everybody, to episode 73 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. We are getting impressively close to that 100th episode. I know. Isn't I say hard that to but believe? It, it's like six months away. Oh. So don't get too excited.
1: It's still cool, though. <laughs> happy about that.
0: I want to wish everybody a happy new year. This is one of the few holidays that actually everybody around the world, for the most part, I guess, Chinese have like the Chinese New Year and stuff. Uh-huh. So maybe not everybody. So forget I said that. Happy New Year's to most people. What are you rambling about? I don't know.
1: Happy New Year's Eve. And we just want you all to have a blessed, happy 2018. And thank you for making our 2017 the most awesome year ever.
0: Yes, we greatly appreciate all of that.
1: Yes, we sure do. And if you guys go out tonight, please be safe. Enjoy yourself, but be safe.
0: We got, um, obviously, we want to say that we want to appreciate and say thanks to all of our military and civil servants from all across the world. Thank you guys for everything you do.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. We guys are praying for you guys always and just hope you all have a blessed New Year's and get to come home to your families pretty soon.
0: Do a quick couple of quick shout outs for our um, uh, Patreon supporters and for our um, start off with our iTunes reviews. Tracy, Mm -hmm. if you want to do that.
1: Sure. Uh, we had one from Super Movie Guy. Thank you, doll. Mella Mel's Tia 07, Sarah Gresh 10. We would like to thank you guys for your reviews. They were very, very nice and we appreciate you guys so much.
0: Yep, Sarah, Sarah, we talk to all the time, so I know exactly who she is. Mm-hmm. She's actually a mail carrier, so oh. uh, I would hate to be a mail carrier in this type of yeah, weather.
1: Yeah, I tell you what. I tell our mailman at work every day. Are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. So I know you guys get out in that bitter cold air, and we appreciate everything you do. Of
0: course, in some places, it's not bitter cold air. It's like well, that's, in true. Arizona that's true. That's and- true. Yeah. But-
1: okay, well, we appreciate that if you guys get way too hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but thank you for what you do.
0: And uh, Patreon supporter.
1: Um, we have Miss Lacey Rowe. Thank you, doll. We appreciate that so much.
0: Yep. Thank you, Lacey. We greatly appreciate that. And on that subject, we are getting ready tomorrow to release the uh, Patreon Listener Stories episode. And this one's actually going to be a little different. Uh, because we've got some of our fantastic listeners on there, but also we've got a couple of other podcasters. Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances came on and told some of his stories and uh Chris Cogswell from Mad Scientist Podcast came on and told some of his stories. So it's a good mixture yeah, of Yeah, it
1: was really good stuff.
0: Yeah, so it it's a it's a really fun episode. Now, this that we have for you guys tonight is I think um one of the more unique stories that you'll hear on here. Uh, Tracy obviously hasn't heard it, but I did fill her in a little bit about it and she's actually excited. And the uh, song you heard at the beginning with uh, Foreigner's Double Vision is actually a little hint to what we're talking about. So um, I'm breaking this thing into a couple of stories. N- normally I would go in a different order, but if I went in a different order, it would give away what we're talking about right off the bat. So I'm kind of going in reverse order and you'll see what I'm talking about as we go. Sounds great. All right. The story we're talking about, is Emily Sage, and she was actually uh, born in France, but we're going to pick up this story initially in 1845. Now, at this time, she's actually 32 years old, and she's extremely happy because she just got a teaching position at a very prestigious all-girls school called, and I'm sure I'll screw this up, Pinsonat von Neuwelke,
1: well, good for her. And
0: that's in uh, Walmart, which is present-day Latvia over in Soviet Union. Okay. Well, I guess it's Russia now. There's no more Soviet Union. So the funny thing about her is that she had 19 teaching positions in the last 16 years.
1: Why? That's well, a lot.
0: Well, that that's a very good question. So first of all, we'll tell you that she was an excellent teacher. All of her students loved her. All of the staff loved her, and they loved working with her. Her resume was impeccable, and she was very kind and patient. So why did she go through 19 jobs in 16 years?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. That's an awful lot of switching.
0: Well, Emily had a very unique ability, or we're going to say phenomena about her. And we're actually going to start this story um, in an incident that happened in the same time that we just talked about mm-hmm. at the school. And this story was actually told by 13-year-old Julie von gudenstrube Uh, she was the daughter of a of a an aristocrat there, so she came from money and she was very well known, or uh-huh. dad was very well known in the area. And she told this story to author Robert Dale Owen. Here is what happened that first caused alarm. This teacher was was in a class of 13 students, right? Uh-huh. And she's at the chalkboard. And to all the students amazement as she's writing on a chalkboard an exact double appeared right beside her of the teacher so now there's two of them standing right there
1: and all the kids saw her
0: all the kids saw her the double actually copied every single movement that emily made mm-hmm. and the only difference was the fact that emily had chalk in her hand and her double had zero chalk
1: oh wow in her hand that is insane. But
0: then there was another occasion while Emily was uh, actually seen at the diner's table and her double appeared right behind her. Mm-hmm. And she mimicked everything that Emily was doing. Yeah. Except she didn't have any eating utensils. So it's almost exactly the same.
1: She was eating with her fingers?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the teachers actually, um, they started to observe this, but... It didn't appear that any of the children were startled of, by it or afraid yeah. of her, so they just didn't worry about it. They just let her go on but it.
1: Yeah, they probably didn't want to make a big scene about it or anything, because right. then it might have scared the kids. I don't know how
0: you couldn't make a big scene when you see something like that. That's mm-hmm. that, but you know, I don't say you just dismiss something like that. But Emily's double had actually started beginning to take a life of its own. It started to appear all around the school, at different locations. Even locations where Emily wasn't. Oh. <laughs> like sometimes a very good distance away from her.
1: Oh, she ventured out on her own, yeah. did she?
0: So she actually would appear in, in different locations. And, and when she appeared at these different locations that weren't close to each other, the real Emily during these times would be like in a trance uh, type state.
1: Yeah, so like just like staring off into space and not... Or yeah, like that,
0: and, and then when they would ask her what she was thinking about during these uh manif- manifestations, mm-hmm. she would always say that she recalled imagining performing certain tasks, and these were the exact same actions that her spectral image was actually uh, doing at the time when people saw oh. her. So she kind of knew it or felt yeah. it, but it was almost like what she was imagining she was making happen. Oh,
1: that's cool,
0: yeah. So it appeared that she had control of her astral body, but without being aware that she was actually separating from her physical form. Oh, wow. So she just actually thought that she was doing what oh, she really wouldn't do. be kind of fun to do, don't yeah. you
1: think?
0: It gives new meaning to the term. People say, well, I can't be two places at once. Bullshit. Yeah. Cause and your face, she
1: just proved it wrong.
0: On another occasion, there was a class of forty-two students, and they were actually being taught a uh, sewing and embroidery lesson. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting in there, and she wasn't teaching the class; she was just
1: Not like in the the.
0: the but or but there was a teacher that was uh, taking the class, and she had gotten up out of her seat to go help a student. Well, when she did, Emily walked in, mm-hmm. and Emily sat in her chair that the teacher had just gotten up from, uh-huh. and suddenly a few of the kids started pointing outside, and The problem was they could look out these giant windows that were there in the classroom, and Emily was out there picking flowers in the garden. And they're like, okay, she's out there picking flowers in the garden, but she's sitting right here in this classroom.
1: Dang.
0: And uh, so then they they noticed that the double in the chair was sitting absolutely motionless. She wasn't moving. She wasn't doing anything. She was just there.
1: So I wonder if that freaked the kids out a little.
0: Well, it kind of did because... Um, With Emily being on the outside and wandering around, what they did notice, this is would be a little uh, different to think about. So, Emily, when they first noticed her, she wasn't in the room because they had seen her before. She was out there picking flowers. Yeah. But she's at normal speed, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, then Emily, the double, walks in and sits down, and the Emily that was outside Mm -hmm. was all of a sudden like more lethargic. She was out there and doing stuff, but it was almost like she had been slowed down. Oh, you see what I'm saying? No,
1: I do. I don't I just don't understand how the, well. Yeah, that's confusing.
0: So, this time, two of the kids, I guess it's because you can't really split your energy. So if she when she made her double, her energy was taken away. Yeah. That makes uh, sense, so. So this time though, the two of the more courageous students, they got up and they walked over to the um, um the double that was sitting in the chair.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they decided that, that, you know, they were looking at it and they're like, she resembles Emily in every single aspect.
1: But she still wasn't moving.
0: No, she still wasn't moving. One of the, one of the girls reached out to try to touch her, but her hand went through the body. <laughs> <laughs> and she later said that it felt like the stuff that cobwebs are made of.
1: Ooh, now see, that's gross. That'd be cool though. I'd like to do that.
0: <laughs> so then, Right after they stuck their hand in, the apparition it slowly started disappearing.
1: Oh no way!
0: And then once it disappeared, Emily outside Got all of a sudden sped back up and was back to her normal, normal self.
1: Wow, that is creepy.
0: Now, at this point, it's going to be kind of important to point out that Emily never saw her double.
1: Everybody saw it. Everybody saw
0: it, but her. Which is actually, as you'll see as we get later in the show, that's probably a good thing. because But, but
1: none of the kids said, hey, you have a double right behind you or whatever. No, none of the kids even said I that?
0: Mean, I, I don't know. This was all coming from that 13-year-old. Because all the other incidents that happened to the other school, there's not a, a lot of record on. But yeah. because this this little 13-year-old girl told this to the author, that's how we have so much information oh. on this particular case. So as time went on, her double was actually seen throughout the school. It would just they just got used to seeing it, and sometimes it looked like uh, a real person, mm-hmm. and then sometimes it just looked more like a ghostly and kind of shimmery. So, one teacher actually shared a room with him because because like um, staying there, you know, they all lived there too. So the teachers lived on the on the premises as well.
1: Oh, I didn't know. That's, yeah, I didn't know
0: that. So two of the her and another teacher were actually roommates. And the teacher said that there were several nights where she witnessed a moving phosphorescence that was like, um, would either arise from her body Uh while she was sleeping and just kind of sit there or it would hover near it.
1: So that lady also saw her at the school. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, She was another teacher at the school, but she was also a roommate of hers. So they slept in the same place. Uh, Emily would say that at these times, she was actually dreaming of seeing herself stare at her own image in like a dream landscape, like... Wherever she was, it was like this beautiful oh. place. So she she did recall seeing herself, mm-hmm. but not like the teacher who saw her. And uh, eventually reports of all this strange phenomena started getting back to the kids' parents. Yeah. And even though the kids weren't, you know, really bothered by it, which still I can't wrap my head around.
1: Yeah, that I mean, that is pretty weird that that didn't bother them. The
0: parents were wrapped around it. And oh, keep it in mind, this them. is, you know, you're you're talking mid-1800s. And, um, the teachers, I mean, the uh, parents would just assume that there was some kind of supernatural dabblings, uh, which Maybe was.
1: Maybe she uh, gave while she was a witch.
0: Yeah, something of that nature. But that, uh, they obviously thought something supernatural was going on involving her, and that's.
1: So that's why she had so many jobs?
0: That's oh, why she had so many. This was oh, happening every school she had ever been at.
1: Oh, poor thing. That and they didn't have so like,
0: good. they didn't have like monster.com or anything to place your resumes on or, or the internet where they could just. <laughs> check stuff so she was able to just go to different places
1: yeah but that's such a shame until it
0: happened again and she'd had to leave so
1: that had to be so i mean
0: yeah so the parents started complaining to the the headmistress of the school and although there wasn't really any immediate action taken they just kind of blew it off uh just because emily was such a great teacher but parents began starting to remove their children from the school
1: now see i don't
0: and once that starts happening, yeah. then you've got a situation where you're forcing the hand. She's got to do something. So the headmistress uh, didn't really have much of a choice but to let Emily go. Emily, once again, she packed her bags, got on a stagecoach, and dejectedly left Walmart. So, kind of sad.
1: And annoying. That has to be so annoying for her.
0: Oh, without a doubt. So she moved in with but her sister-in-law. What?
1: Wait. Okay, <laughs> so you said she never knew, but did they tell her why she got fired? She knows. Oh, she did. She knows
0: she just never saw it. Oh. And we're going to get into when we talk about her earlier life, you'll hear a little more about it. But she moved in with her sister in law and uh, her sister, because her sister actually lived Mm -hmm. uh, fairly close to there. But she moved in her sister in law and her sister in law had a bunch of kids. And whenever her um, um, people who Used to work with her and stuff would come by because she still kept close ties with these people even though she wasn't employed there. They all still liked her and good. became friends with her. Well, that's good. And they would come by and see her, and the kids would probably tell that whoever was visiting that uh, they had two Aunt Emilys. Oh. <laughs> so that's that that's,
1: is. And you know what? And she was such a nice person. It was probably. Like a blessing, though, that they have to, you know what I'm saying? If it's going to be a ghost or whatever, at least she was nice. and.
0: Yeah, they don't have a, a ton of information on what happened after that, but I mean.
1: Well, that's a like shame said, for her, though. I yeah, mean, to she, be.
0: She was a young, pretty woman with a gift. Yeah. and yeah.
1: And just to be tossed away like that. I mean, that had to be heartbreaking for her, I'm sure.
0: So let's go back to Emily's early years. Okay. Um, so you can kind of see where all this started. And I didn't start with this. That's what I said. I, I, if I yeah. had started with this, you would have known no. what, the, what what it was all along. And I wanted to tell you the main story before okay, we start talking good. about it. But So Emily was actually born in France in 1813. And from an early age, she knew she wanted to teach. So that right off the bat was something she liked doing. She was easygoing, uh but she was somewhat withdrawn as, as a child. She didn't have a lot of kids which are friends Aww. which probably made sense. Uh she never played with all the other kids in the village. She basically just hung by herself. And most people assumed that she had a twin because the two would often be seen walking down the street together. So even as a kid, people would see two of her Oh, I know, down but the one was
1: transparent, wasn't
0: it? Well, sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> remember that in the story of the school, they said sometimes yeah, it appeared real, real and sometimes yeah. it wouldn't. What confused all the, the people in the town, though, is the fact that they saw the two sisters um, walking with each other. They seemed to be totally unaware of each other, but would eerily mimic each other's actions. But
1: that is so weird.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. So Emily's family was uh very much aware of all the strange phenomena surrounding their youngest daughter, but they kept quiet about it because people in those parts were very superstitious and talk of unholies going on would probably um uh, ruin their very successful bakery that they had.
1: Oh, they had a bakery?
0: Yeah. Mhm. It was the Sage household bakery. Uh but it was doing very well and they didn't yeah. want to take a chance on doing that. So um they kept her home a lot, and they brought in a tutor from another town to teach her, which is probably where her love of teaching came yeah. in. Um, her siblings would, um actually pretty quite used to seeing two Emilys walking around the house. They would see her double and uh, going through the motions of either doing housework or uh, while the real Emily was actually, like, laying down somewhere. <laughs> so, hey, if you can get some work out of it. Oh, no kidding. But they said that also during this time... Emily would be in a daze, much the same as what we heard later. Well, right. well, They saw this double out doing housework or whatever, which I don't know if any housework actually got done, or if it's like, does she have a fake broom, and she's sweeping and in the dust and dirt just staying there, or mm-hmm. hey, the dishes, you know, so I don't know.
1: That'd be cool, though, just be laying, chilling, while your ghostly figure is doing all the work.
0: But as a kid, when they asked her, like, when she was in one of those is what were you thinking about during these times, she said she just couldn't remember anything. As she mm-hmm. got older, she started... Being able to put that together but as a mm-hmm. kid she didn't know. Yeah. So that's Emily's story, which I think is completely fascinating.
1: It is. I mean, I can't even imagine. I think it would be kinda of fun, but for her apparently it just wasn't and it just made her, you know, dream not really come true all the way like she wanted to. I mean, yeah, she got to start, you know, teaching and stuff, but I mean that just had to be so annoying having to move from place to place to place.
0: And know you're so good at something, and, and, and yeah, it's out I of mean, your control.
1: And it is out of your control. And those parents just needed to get the heck over it, what they needed to do.
0: Well, I think it would be tough in, in the 1850s, like you said. You know, there was so much um, uh, people that, like you said, superstitions and stuff like yeah, that, that, that I mean, it would be hard to think back then. I mean, if you saw that today,
1: mm-hmm. in
0: 2017, there would be some major concerns. So you can imagine <laughs> in the 1840s. Uh-huh. What kind of thought process? Well, I mean, people would I guess that's true. Through.
1: Since that the way it was back in those days was people ready to hang you because they think you're a witch and all that stuff. Right? All just, because your
0: your cow got sick. Yeah. So somebody I mean, had to be responsible. for I just for think it. it's
1: a shame that she was such a great teacher that that gone to waste.
0: So obviously, we're talking about doppelgangers. Uh, everybody's heard the phrase. Some people don't really know what it is. most people. When, when you say, hey, I saw my doppelganger, mm-hmm. they think you mean somebody who looks a lot like you. Because mm-hmm. you've all heard it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Oh, hope saw somebody look just like you, or yeah. you've got a twin running around somewhere. Mm-hmm. But that's not really what a doppelganger oh,
1: is. I seriously get that all the time. Like, seriously.
0: Yeah, a doppelganger is actually um, more like what we just talked about. Yeah. It's a spiritual um, astral projection of the body or something of that nature, uh, another version of you that's appearing to you. And some people claim that it could be from being from two different um, uh, planes of existence, crossing over, uh, that type of thing. But I thought it would be cool to actually talk about doppelgangers and give some reasons and some other famous accounts. Because there are some other famous accounts of doppelgangers out there, some of which will probably surprise our listeners. Uh, So according to legend, doppelgangers are paranormal duplicates of the real person. And doppelganger actually comes from the German word meaning double walker.
1: Double walker. Yep. Interesting. Didn't
0: know that. They can uh, manifest in several different ways. You can actually see them out of the corner of your eye or walking down the road or standing behind you in a mirror, which is not really all that good to do. And we're going to get into why it's not good to see your own doppelganger. Uh Uh-oh. But mostly it's believed that a person can't actually see, um, they can't see their own doppelganger. And like I said, if you do see one, it's supposed to be a sign of death. Or tragedy oh my
1: gosh, coming. now I wish I hadn't known that.
0: Yeah, so you don't want to see your own I dog.
1: ain't looking.
0: <laughs> Usually, though, it manifests to um, other people in a completely different destination. It's unusual to have, like in her situation, where you've got the double right beside you. Yeah. It's more like the times uh, where she was out in the garden and in a room and, and a certain thing. Now, there's been... Um, Doppelgangers have been known to actually help with tasks, like you heard about mm-hmm. her helping with, with uh, cleaning seeing, and stuff. You know, yeah, seeing her do tasks and stuff around the house. Uh, so, like I said, when they say people can't be in two places at once, obviously they can. not uh-huh. So, now how does this happen though? Well, there's a bunch of different explanations for this phenomenon. Mystics throughout the early ages have believed that supernatural creatures. Uh, Either a spiritual copy of the person or a demonic twin is responsible for doppelgangers. This goes back like early 1200s, 1300s, 1400s. This is not something new. Mm -hmm. This goes way back. Now, scientists, on the other hand, they believe that they're like electrical glitches of the brain or some type of mental illness like schizophrenia.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So they're not denying that it doesn't exist. They're just trying to, you know. So the only two things that are actually certain about seeing I guess apparitions are that these are bad news and they're meant to be bad news if you see your own so the surprising number of significant historical figures who've claimed to see uh, or been haunted by their doppelgangers is actually pretty impressive and we're going to talk about a few of them first one we're going to talk about is Percy Bysshe Shelley do you know who that is? no Percy was actually a pretty well known um uh poet, and I'm trying to think that he had one that was a really popular poem that you would probably know, and for the life of me, it's just completely escaped me right now.
1: The boys to buy the burning bush. What? (laughs) I just made that up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But most people know Percy because of his wife, who was Mary Shelley. She's the one who wrote Frankenstein.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so she actually wrote wrote Frankenstein, and you know, and that was a that's a cool story to get into sometime. But her, it was uh, her Percy Bysshe Shelley and Bram Stoker were like, I think they were. I don't know if they were trapped from like the weather or something, but they were all like in a castle sitting around one night, and they decided to just write stories and just to try to kill the time. Yeah, and
1: that's out how of these
0: stories, basically. Came, Bram Stoker came up with Dracula. Oh, wow. And she came up with Frankenstein. That's very cool. And, uh, so yeah, pretty cool. Awesome. So anyways, um, Percy Bysshe Shelley, he actually said that shortly before he drowned in a uh, sailing accident in 1812, that he told many people or told Mary uh, amongst, but he told some other people, but he told Mary primarily that he had met his doppelganger several times. And one of the times that really stood out to him. Is he said that he was actually walked out onto a terrace and there was his double just standing there. And the double actually asked him, he said, How long do you mean to be content? What? Is what his double just asked him. And what makes this even stranger is that Percy's friend, uh, real good friend Jane Williams, she also saw this doppelganger. Not not there.
1: Saw so his doppelganger? Yeah, she
0: saw his doppelganger. She didn't see it there at that time when he saw saw it. But where she lived at, there was a street in front of her house that Percy would actually walk, yeah. you know, on a regular basis, and uh, it kind of um, went to a dead end. And she would see his doppelganger several times walking past her to the dead end, but never coming back. And every time she saw this, Percy was nowhere near that area. Okay,
1: so is it, uh, is it uh, like a uh, see through person? Or, you know, that's why I'm saying that. Well, I can't uh, imagine. Uh,
0: I can't imagine most people are seeing it as a see-through person, or they would say it seemed like a ghost or something. I, I would say that all these people, for the most part, unless they say different, they're seeing them as a real person. Oh. But she just knew Percy wasn't there. And the fact that she would see him walk to the dead end and never walk oh, back. He, I mean, he would have to walk back if it wow. was a real person.
1: That's so, terrifying. <laughs> so he
0: sees it and then shortly after dies in a sailing accident.
1: <gasps> Oh, he did. Yeah,
0: which is what most people do when they see their. Oh
1: my gosh, upbringing. Now, I don't. What well,
0: they we, don't. All, they don't all die in a sailing accident. Well,
1: I know, but what if we see ours?
0: We're not going to. Okay.
1: Hold queen
0: on. Elizabeth the of England. She was actually the queen from 1558 to 1603, and she was um, known as a really like a really level-headed mm-hmm. leader and very savvy. And she was the kind of person that would never get into the paranormal yeah. dabbling. But she just that that wasn't her. She didn't believe in any of that stuff. What makes this story kind of scary is that she claimed to have witnessed her doppelganger lying motionless on her bed. Like she walked in, it was just laying there. She said it was like a corpse that was laid out for a funeral. Wow. And that would have been easy enough for people to say, well, you know what? She's, it's a very stressful job. She's getting up there in age. Um, and they could have probably played it off there, except for the fact that she short, uh, died shortly after seeing her double. So. She, wow. Like, 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 real shortly? Pretty, I think within like a couple of weeks.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, the one that I really want to touch on, because this is probably the more famous one Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was very open about um, his belief in the paranormal.
1: Oh, he was? Yeah. He
0: was really open about it. Now, he didn't come out like on a platform of president, you know, and talk about it, oh. but. To everybody that knew him on a personal level and personal conversations Mm -hmm. he would have, he would talk about it all the time. Now, according to Abraham Lincoln himself, this came out of his mouth. He had experienced uh, his own paranormal activity. And on one night, it was after, it was the night that he got elected, the very first time, the night Mm -hmm. of the election. He was at home. He was resting on the couch and he just happened to kind of glance over uh, into the mirror that he had and he saw his own image except he had two faces. So when he looked at it, it was, you know, he could see him and then he could see an image right next to him of another head. So it was like he had two heads, but he said, uh, the other head was like very ghostly and pale. Mm. So it scared him. And he jumped up from the couch real quick and the, the image in the mirror disappeared. So he sat back down and there it was again. well, he was scared, obviously, but his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, was terrified because she was convinced that this was bad news because yeah. that's what everybody had always heard. She assumed that two faces meant that he would be elected for a second term, but wouldn't survive because the second Lincoln face looked like death. Yeah. Well, Lincoln would look in the mirror every time he would sit down. Every time. And only one other time did he see the uh, the doppelganger. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of disappeared and he didn't see it again. But Mary was probably right in her assumption because he was reelected for a second term and obviously he didn't make it through his second term because he was assassinated.
1: But that is the craziest <laughs> shit I've ever heard.
0: And there was all kinds of other stories, those were just the ones that uh Catherine the Great
1: well, maybe it's his one wife's fault fo- because she made him go to that stupid thing.
0: Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe she harped on him. Hey, let's go see a play tonight. And he's like, I'm tired. I don't really want to. Let's go see it. It'd be good for you. Mm, bam. So, but uh, Wow.
1: That's amazing.
0: To so see, I was going to say something bad. I'm not going to say it. Never mind. <laughs> oh,
1: no, I, I was waiting for a joke to come out of your mouth eventually.
0: No, no. No.
1: Okay, don't say it. This
0: would be controversy. So um, that's the story we got on doppelgangers.
1: Wow, I would love to know who all has done that and seen. Like
0: they said uh, Catherine the Great was one of them. There was a couple other like famous jo- uh, uh, German authors and stuff mm-hmm. that I didn't really know. I knew the name, but yeah. didn't really know. But uh, yeah,
1: it's just crazy what all happens in this universe. Isn't
0: that crazy? It is. It is. And it's, that's why I have a hard time believing that somebody says, oh, I do not believe in none of that stuff. How can you not no, believe that? No, how can you that? not? Seriously. I mean, there's, there's. I think, in my opinion, there's proof of ghosts. There's proof of aliens. I don't know if there's proof of Bigfoot, but I mean, there's enough mm-hmm. people seen something where yep. something's well, got to yeah, be out there. Yeah, they've seen something. That,
1: that's, yeah. And aliens are so cute.
0: Yeah, that's what they are.
1: They do. You right, never need so, to answer that anal probe question for about
0: five, five, 500 shows back. Yeah, there is no anal probe question. Okay. I, you know, my HMO covers that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to wrap the store, uh, the, the store. What the hell's wrong with me? Well, while we're on that subject, go to our store and buy some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you want to be, like I said, if you want to uh, go to our store. And, you know, what? I guess I need to jump on this, too. We have, uh, partnered up again, obviously with studio headphones. We're not going to make fun of the Phil Collins song, but they have been very good to us. And they, yeah, they, they, uh, they like what we do and you guys are buying stuff from them. I know, uh, Jackie gets actually ordered some stuff for them for Christmas. And, um, I know some other people did. They just didn't tell me, uh, but I know from studio that they've had people buying from them using our code. Oh, good. So that's still going on. I know it's not Christmas anytime, but, or, or anymore, but maybe you got, um, shafted and didn't get a the set of headphones you wanted for Christmas yeah, and now you got to go get buy it your for own yourself you deserve yeah. it but go to studio headphones it's studio uh dash sweden awesome headphones the new tray we actually uh got for our daughter Kristen mm-hmm. to start using she absolutely loves it it's a fantastic set
1: yeah she was so excited uh, about yeah, that
0: that's the newest one they got and if you've got an iPhone you have to have wireless yeah. you know if you got the, one of the newer iPhones you have to have the wireless headphones cuz it doesn't have a headphone, an headphone earphone jack
1: that's true. So you that's so funny. Yeah,
0: I know it. But um, save yourself some money. Go to uh, go to their website and go ahead and um, plug in the code. We got hillbilly fifteen, and you'll save fifteen percent. But like I said, you know, before some of these things are, if you go to Amazon, they're one hundred and thirty, hundred and forty dollars, and on their website they're a hundred bucks for most of them. Some of them are eighty dollars, and then you save fifteen percent on top of that. So why pay $120, 130 bucks well, when you can get a set for eighty five bucks? That's what I say.
1: Sounds like a great deal to me.
0: So go ahead and do that. Uh, if you want to become a Patreon, go to our website, com. click on the Patreon link and you'll get a bunch of the extra episodes like the one we talked about earlier with Justin and, uh, uh, Chris Cockwell. Their, their stories will be on there. And we do two episodes a month. One's a listener stories episode. They range from uh, anywhere from an hour to two hours and they're usually really good stories on there. And then the 15th of each month, we do, um, one that's a full regular show. It's at least an hour long, but it's similar to what our regular show is. We uh, sometimes throw some true crime in there uh, since uh, everybody seems to like that these days. So we throw some true crime in there, and then uh, we do many episodes every week. There's one each week that comes out. It's about anywhere five to ten minutes long. Mm-hmm. So you get a bunch of extra stuff, and you get discounts on uh, products in our store, which is also on hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Okay. Got all that out of the way. Housekeeping. Now let's get to some really cool shit. At the very stuff. stuff, At the end of this show, uh, I'm going to play an interview I had with writer, director, musician John Law. Now he's got a movie coming out. uh, It's actually out already called The Hatred, but on the 6th, which is next Saturday, it's having its uh, theater debut up in New York.
1: Wow.
0: Um, But it's but it's already out on Amazon, which I didn't realize when we set this up. So you you guys can actually purchase it. But they let me watch it last week. um, Just sent it to me and gave me a screening of it. And it's really cool. And you'll hear me talk about this in the interview, but if you've seen The Revenant with, um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, it has that kind of a feel to it. It's set like during those times and it's in a lot of it's out in the cold and the snow in the woods. Mm-hmm. So it has that kind of a feel to it, but it's a horror movie and it's actually got a premise that, um, I've really seen before. I mean, it's basically a woman's family gets killed. Uh, and, hello. Don't no, be it's part me. of what's in the, the the trailer and stuff i'm not i'm not no spoiler alerts but uh, a woman's family gets killed while she's not in the house and she comes back and discovers it and uh, this same group of bandits also killed a soldier uh hung him and she somehow another resurrects the soldier and they go out and uh try to make amends so it's a dead soldier and this young lady whose family was killed Uh, tracking down the bad guys. It's a real, it's a lot better than the way I described it, but it's a pretty cool story to look at. And it's short. It's only like an hour long. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like the idea of a shorter movie because sometimes you see a movie and it's like way too long and you're like, man, they could have cut 45 minutes out of this. and And, but this isn't one of those movies. It's one of those that they didn't add anything that didn't need to be added. So you'll hear about that and hear where to go to it. Right now though, this is what I've been most excited about for this episode. We have uh, had Andrea uh, Whitney on the show a couple of times. She came on and talked to, uh, about a story she had in uh, Texas that was about an abandoned house and had a bunch of ghosts in it, and everybody loved it, and they wanted her back on. So she came on to tell us about the Black Hope Cemetery, if you remember, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit back, which was the house uh, or the uh, the, su- the the suburb in Houston where the whole uh, poltergeist story came from where the body that was in coming up for digging the pool and the body's buried oh, yeah. there and stuff. And she told us that story. Well, Andrea has made it clear that she doesn't have paranormal experiences herself. She just is fascinated by it. Well, she actually had one. And this is a doozy because, as you know, she is the editor-in-chief for Jasper Newsboy uh, newspaper in Texas, Jasper, Texas. And she... Um, had a really good friend that she lost to suicide. She's always felt like it was suspicious and she feels like her friend is actually reaching out from beyond the grave and giving her signs that, um, things are not as they seem. Wow. And her story is very emotional. Her story is very, um, captivating. Uh, I it, you're going to listen to this and when it's through, you're going to be sending messages about, Oh my God, I can't believe this story. And, uh, if you've seen movies like that, like, um, oh, what was it, uh, Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon to where the little girl was murdered and, and breaked up into a wall or whatever, and then she kept giving him signs that something was out there. It's almost like a real-life instance of that. Oh, wow. So uh, go ahead and give uh, Andrea a listen real quick, and um, we'll be right back, and then we'll listen to John Law. All right, this has been a couple of weeks in coming, but I'm excited to have uh, Andrea Whitney on the, uh, the air again. She's been on obviously a couple of times with us. We talked about, uh, a, a story that she had in her hometown back when she was working for another newspaper. And, uh, everybody loved that story. So we had her back on to talk about Black Hope Cemetery, which was the cemetery that they based the, uh, Poltergeist movie off of. And the funny thing when talking with Andrea, who was actually the editor in chief with the, uh, Jasper Newsboy, uh, newspaper in Jasper, Texas, um, is that in all the conversations we've had, the one thing she's made it clear of is that she's never really had any paranormal uh, occurrences herself. Uh, She's loves the stuff and she's reported on plenty of them. And she wrote the article on uh, Tracy and myself uh, for the show that, that ran in several newspapers and we love having her on the air, but she called me um, about three weeks ago with a situation that had her a little shook up. And um, I told her, when you feel comfortable talking about this, I'd love to have you on. And that's what we got. So, Andrea, thank you for coming on.
2: No problem, Jerry. Thank you for having me again. And thank you for listening to my late-night call when that happened. I was I was definitely shook up. So I, I think this will – it is very interesting. So I'm very happy to be on again.
0: Well, Andrea, just to kind of um – to give just a little intro to what's going on, because but I'm going to let you tell the story. But you've, you you sure. had you had a really good friend that um, some months back um, surprisingly committed suicide, and obviously you're in a small town. It was a shock to the whole town. He meant a lot to a lot of people, and this has really stuck with you. And you've taken it upon yeah. yourself to look into things because things didn't. Things they that, didn't add up. Yeah, they didn't add up. It didn't really look like this was a cut-and-dry suicide as it was made out to be, and you having your uh, reporter-type uh, notions decided to start looking into it and yourself, and uh, I'll let you handle the rest of this.
2: Okay. Um, well, like you said, Jerry, I um, live in a very small town, and my friend, who I'm not going to mention his name just you know, in respect to his family, but— um, was very high ranking in the school district, um, very much well loved. I met him through my job, and um, you know we became the closest that I mean the closest friends that he was probably my best friend. Um, that's why this is hard. But he was he was funny, he was smart, he was articulate, he he was warm. And the one thing that I that I think I'll always remember is. He loved kids. That was that was his thing. And he was living his dream, his dream job. But unfortunately, um, I got a call. Well, actually, it came over the scanner um, that they needed officers dispatched to a, a location in the town that, that I live in. And um, so I started listening. And to make a long story short, um, he had committed suicide in his vehicle. Um, and of course it was, it was horrifying to me because when you become good friends with someone, you know, you know what their beliefs are and you know, you know, whether sometimes you see it coming, sometimes you don't. Suicide's a very tricky thing, but I, I just don't, I just couldn't believe it. And so after the shock wore off of that, and you know the heartache and everything, um, I had to dig deep and report the story. Um, this was a huge story. We had um, a media block on our side because we had so many national news entities contacting us because you know um, high school administrator commits suicide. you know it just doesn't happen. and so, um, out of respect for his family, I put a media block with my employees um until this this blew over, um and by blew over, I don't mean to make light of it, but until something else happened to take the spotlight off of his family, um our children are are good friends, this affected them deeply um so time rolled on, and it hasn't been a year yet, but i always I always thought about him, you know, I've wrote about him in my column several times, just you know something that he would say or do and and I would just write about it. Um, and so to get to what initiated that call between Jerry and I, um, I woke up. It was in the early morning hours. My phone was ringing. And I have an iPhone. And um, I keep my phone By my bed all the time because when you're a journalist, that's just what you do, but surprisingly enough We don't get late-night phone calls. It's a small town. It doesn't happen so initially you bolt out of bed you sit up the first thing that you think is something's wrong with my family Um, And I look down at the phone and keep in mind that this all transpired between a number of seconds But in my mind, it's slow motion. I look down at the phone and and You know, when you have an iPhone, the contact name comes up and it was his contact name. My friend that had supposedly committed suicide, it was his contact name and number. And I thought, okay, that's weird. Maybe his wife is using his phone and something's happened. So I picked up the phone and I said, hello. And I heard a voice saying, are you there? are you there? And I didn't say anything at first. And it was almost like someone was with, it was like in a gravelly tunnel almost is what it sounded like. And I didn't say anything. And then I heard again, are you there? Lee, my middle name is Lee. And there are very few people that call me that my family does. And very, very close friends because I hate that name. (laughs) But, um, He he said, Lee. And when he said Lee, I knew or in my mind, I I think it was him. But I hung up the phone and I thought, okay, get your thoughts together. This was just something that was that was very odd. And I put the phone back down and I laid back down and I kind of went into a restless sleep. And seven minutes late. The phone rang Was it was his name and it was his number. And I apologize because this is it's tough. Um, and I picked up the phone and he said, Are you there? I need you. Help me. And then it went dead. And I put the phone down and I. I tried to wrap my, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it as I tell you this. Um, it, it would have been different if it was, if it was just the name and the number coming up. It would have been different if it was just a strange wrong number. The number had been assigned to someone else, but this wasn't that case. And so finally, I went ahead and got up. Made some coffee. It was too early to get ready for work. I wrote everything down. That's just, I guess it's a habit of being a journalist. You just, you write it down. If you wrote it down, then you know it happened and you can always go back to it. And that got, the, the thought came in my mind that morning that you you need to look into something. Something's not right. And I always felt that there were things in this death that did not add up. Um, and if you really look into the facts, it's actually quite sinister. And when I say facts, I don't mean hearsay. I mean facts that are on paper, toxicology reports, autopsy reports, statements, timelines, nothing added up, the video surveillance tape that all schools have. Surprisingly enough, because he committed suicide on school grounds, surprisingly enough, that tape messed up and went blank during the time of this alleged suicide. Anyway, without going into all that, there's just facts that don't that don't add up. And for some reason, I was standing at in my my home office and I started looking and, you know, just Just I couldn't stop thinking about him, so I got, you know, opened up the files on the computer, looked at everything that I knew was already there. And about this time it's time to get ready for work. So I get my kids up, I go to take a shower, and I have a my bathroom leads into a walk in closet. And at the top of the very top of that closet is a filing box that has all of my records of this suicide. Everyone I've talked to recorded phone conversations, um, copies of autopsy reports and other things that I that I probably should not have, um, which is why it is in the top of my closet and not at my office. Um, I walked in my closet to get to get some things to wear before I took a shower and that box is sitting in the middle of my closet with the lid off, not like it fell. It's sitting perfectly with the lid laying down and falls spread out all over my floor. And I literally hit my knees. Um, There's no way that that box could have gotten there unless someone, I can't even get it down. I have to get my husband to get it down. It's that high up. It's too heavy to just fall off. It had been there since the day after he died when I knew that things didn't start adding up. I paid attention to what was showing. There was a file that was opened, and in that file was a statement that a certain woman had made and the autopsy report. I Once again, the reporter in you kicks in. I took pictures of it and picked everything up, put everything back in order, put it back on the shelf got in the shower and by this time I'm numb. (laughs) I I can't breathe, but I had made up my mind that I was going to take a look at everything with fresh eyes. You know, I had put this to bed a long time ago. I knew that small town politics had played a part in this. And unfortunately, as much as I wanted it to be different, his family decided that they were going to put it behind them. And so did I, or I tried to, um, I got ready for work. I drove to work, which is about 45 minutes with it on my mind. I got to work. I had my reporter's notebook in one hand and my purse. On my other hand, I had my laptop bag, camera bag. So I was loaded down with stuff. Well, I got to the door. Uh, My advertising coordinator opened the door and um, I gave her my keys. And I said, can you go unlock my office because my hands are full? And she said, sure. So she walked back there, and I walked back with her. She opened the door, and I went on and just dropped my stuff by my office because I had to run to the restroom. And she said, Andrea, wait a minute. And I said, "What?" And she said, come look at this. And I turned around and walked back. And all over... My desk is the one file that I had on my friend at work. It was just your police statements things like that. But that file was spread across my desk very haphazardly. Um the thing is that file is kept in a lock drawer with the cash that I have for the office with with all my HR records. Um they're kept locked, and I didn't unlock it. I lock my drawer every day before I leave. I didn't unlock my office, My, you know, my coworker did. I, I don't know how it got there. I don't. And the funny thing is, is that when I went to open the drawer, it was still locked. It was locked. Nothing else had been messed with, nothing. Um, I also tried to call my friend's cell phone who supposedly committed suicide and just, just, just on the offhand that maybe someone did have that number and it was disconnected. Um, I'm left with this information that I have that. I I think everyone knows what happened, but I, I don't know if they know what to do with it. I don't know if I know what to do with it. I just know that this happened to me, and I know it means something, and I wish I knew what it meant. Because if there is any way that I could help him, then I need to do it, and I don't know where to go. And once again, I apologize for getting upset, but... If you could have been there and experienced what I experienced, I'm someone who does not, I I report on this stuff all day long, every day. I love it. But I don't know how to react when it happens to me. And that's where I'm at. And that's, that's what happened. So maybe, um, maybe it's, I know it's a sign. But I've looked over every possible thing, and the only thing I know to do is to keep to keep his memory alive, to keep his name um, fresh, to to make people feel uncomfortable about this, because I'm not the only one. I'm not. Um, when I called you, Jerry, that that day or night, I don't even remember. If it was night or day. It was um, night. Everything blurred. Go ahead. <laughs> it was night. <laughs> um i I figured so um (laughs) everything blurred together and and you know you guys out there you know jerry jerry becomes um even just in the podcast world if all you've done is listen to hillbilly horror stories you will know that jerry becomes your friend very quickly and and tracy takes you in a virtual hug just from being there well i've had you know the pleasure and the ability and and the grace of being able to become friends with both of them. And I think one reason I'm drawn to you, Jerry, is that you remind me so much of him. Um, and when this happened, you were the, the only one that I knew to call. And, and like you always do, you answer the call. <laughs> um, but I just felt like this story needed to get out there. Um, I did not start it with the precursor. of I'm not crazy, but I think this story will stand on its own. I do Um, and anybody there are going to be people out there that doubt me. There may be some people out there that can put this together that are going to be upset that I told this story. But That's my job and that's what I do. And for some reason, I believe that he contacted me and I hope as scary as it is, is that maybe he'll do it again to, to give me some more direction. And whatever that
0: direction may be, I'll take it. Let me ask so. you this: so, <laughs> sure. And I know when this first took place, and I don't mean this incident; I mean when the actual uh, a death occurred. Uh, yes, I felt actually honored that within the first couple of days, you actually contacted me just to talk. And yes, that, I did. And, and you know, con- considering the fact that we've known each other really a short time, uh, and it right. was basically through the podcast. Uh, that Mm -hmm. was an honor for me that you felt like that out of everybody you have in your life that I was a call that, that you made to try to just talk. Uh, so that, that's, that means a lot to me that you would put that kind of trust, um, and faith into me to be able to help you through a tough situation, even if it's just listening.
2: I mean, I, I knew that, I knew that you would help me sort it out and I knew that you would help me, okay, you know, we know you're sad. We know you're upset, but let's focus, you know, let's sort this out. Let's do what, let's do what we do. Um, and, and you still, you know, were there and, and kind enough. Um, and that means a lot to me, but on the objective, I needed someone objective. I needed someone. I think I really wanted you to say, Andrea, it was a bad dream, but it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't, um, and you know, I just appreciate you you listening to me that night. I, I'm sure that I, I was beside myself. I, you know, I, I hope that I haven't bored the listeners um, with the emotional side of things. But when you're that close to someone and they are taken from you, and I mean, I, I mean the words taken literally. I do not believe for an instant that he committed suicide. I don't. And I have had community leaders come to me and say, you need to pack it up and go home. You're getting too close. And to me, when they do that, they're hiding something. But it is so much harder in a small town to get the truth and to get facts. It's hard in any town. But when you have a small town that belongs to... And I'm not talking about Jasper. I'm talking about Kirbyville. Um, Kirbyville is, is... There some great people. It's a wonderful place. But small town politics play such a huge role in everything that goes on there. And Jasper is just 15 miles away. And it is a little bigger. But it's a world away from Kirbyville. And I just feel... Um, there was no 911 call made um, when they found him. They didn't call 911. They called the mayor. I mean, the mayor, whose son is the school board president. It just goes on and on. And I'm in no way Im- implicating those two at all. I am not. But, but I just feel that there were things that were done that shouldn't have been done.
0: And I know I, w- I won't get into details because you told me these in private, and, and if you haven't mentioned them, you may not want to mention. But I know you said there was definitely some ways that the crime scene was handled that was inappropriate. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there were. Um, how do I do this? I'm going into too much detail, and and your, you know, your true crime buffs and your CSI buffs will probably put this together. But there should have been things on on his his body on the wound. If it would have been done at close range, there should have been some some markers there that would have let you know. I took the autopsy report to two physicians, and they both said something's not right.
0: Then you also say there was a situation with like a window that was down, and it had been raining, so there would have been no way, no reason for the yeah. window to be down, and things yeah, look like was, they. Um, things, when
1: he go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say you know things look like that. It, might have happened from the opposite side of the vehicle, or something from what it really, you know, yes. should have happened, in and um, things like that.
2: It looked like, um, okay, when he was found, and these are facts. Um, the vehicle was in reverse. His foot was on the brake. The emergency brake was not on. If someone is going to, and I hate to to go into such graphic detail. But if someone is going to put a pistol, small caliber, up to their temple on the right hand side and shoot themselves, shouldn't there have been something on that driver's side window? Shouldn't it have shattered the glass? Shouldn't there have been blood? Something. I mean, there, it, nothing adds up. But yet, the passenger side window was down. In uh, the in the tape. The tape says it all, but that tape is gone.
0: Yeah, you said during that time that this would have taken place, there was there was video of him actually going to the vehicle, I believe what you said, but then after Absolutely. that there was no. Yes. Vi- no, um, no there video. was
2: video of him going go ahead, Jerry, I'm sorry. No, I'm
0: just reiterating what you said that there's video of him going there, but then after that the video just disappeared and then came back on after the Right.
2: Fight. Right. Exactly. After the fact. Way after the fact. Um the vehicle was moved before the crime scene was secured, and I say crime scene because any death, any law enforcement agent will tell you when there is a death, natural, suicide, or homicide, they treat them all as a crime scene until they can rule out the other two. So, I mean,
0: I, and I'll I'll bring just, up I'll bring up something but, else, and we can cut this if it's not something that I can talk about. Um, but I know there was an incident at a meeting at the school, which supposedly led to all this. And the story that was put out that supposedly led to um, this becoming uh, a bad situation mm-hmm. was something that after you spoke to his wife, actually was something that happened two years ago that had already been resolved so that didn't make already, sense either no
2: it there, this right it was it had happened 2 years prior and and it had been they had put it put it behind them and this actually had been dealt with on a school board level and put away and put to bed and it had been dealt with on a personal level between he and his wife but it, why drag all this back up I mean, it's and it and it's not you know it's not a reason to to end your life by any means. Um, I just you know um, <clears throat> I do ask for your listeners um, because when you when you think about it, the Hillbilly Horror Story family is kind of one big one big family, um, and, and I would ask you know your readers to to please not you know dig up and try to contact the school and you know if if they put it together and this and that. Um, Because I I don't want to get in any type of trouble, but yet I want this to be out. Does that make sense at all?
0: I guess that that leads me to my next question is where do you go from here? I mean, if this is, is this something that, is this something that you would have the ability to pursue if you so wanted to, if, if there was enough facts to be able to do, or is this something you feel like you're going to have to eventually let go unless just a bombshell gets dropped in your
1: lap?
2: My gut feeling is to go ahead. My gut feeling is, is Jerry, that I'm missing something. There is some piece to this puzzle that's out there that I'm missing. And so the only reason that I have not pursued it further is because his family opted to drop um, any case that they might have been pursuing against the district. And I understand why. She has to move on at some point. And no matter what happened, it won't bring him back. And as much as we want him back, I think she, you know, I think she was tired of the the barrage of phone calls and, and people calling her names and this and that. And he said and she said, but he didn't come to her in the middle of the night with a phone call. Or maybe he did. I don't know, but I know he came to me. So there's something that I'm missing. And I think I I think I have it, Jerry. I think I've got it. I just haven't seen it.
0: Well, I mean, that's you know, I wish you the best of luck in 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 what you're trying to accomplish here cuz I know it's got to be nerve-wracking. I mean, we've all seen it we we've all seen those movies like Stir of Echoes or where where somebody comes from the past, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from past the grave to to lead hints to solve the crime, but you've actually got a real life situation like that it's- on your hands. You know, this is in you know, Hollywood. This is, this is life.
2: And it is, this is life. This is real. This is, you know, all the makeup taken off. Um, you know, this is not the pretty little girl calling her friend and, and say, you know, Oh, this is kind of creepy. You know, this was me in the middle of the night, ugly crying on the phone with you, um, you know, sobbing and, and trying to make something of something that I don't understand. Um, there may be a time that I do have to let it go, but I just always am looking. Does that make sense? Yep. And I think that – I think I'll find it. Um, I don't know what the answer will be, but I'll find it. So, you know, um, and I may never know for sure what happened. And, and and keep in mind, I I may be totally off. It, it may have been a clean – I hate the word clean for, for suicide, but – I'm just not ready. Not when other law enforcement agencies outside the community, agents from their departments have said, I don't know why it's not being dealt with as a homicide. I mean, it, you know, higher ups, you know, FBI, Texas Rangers, um, normally those guys are brought in, especially when it's any type of question. Um, but they do, unless it's internal, they have to be invited in. And I think, I think the town just wanted to put it to rest. Um, the school today is totally different. Um, I pulled my daughters out of that school because I was not going to have them going to a school who I feel is administration, um, has hit something. And my children didn't feel comfortable going to school there either. Um, so I don't know. If, if you're, if the listeners out there, you know, email me, Facebook message me, um, contact Jerry, Jerry, if you don't mind. <laughs> um, you know, if you can think of anything, you know, I, I'm at a loss. But on the paranormal side of things, I wanted to bring this to light to let people know that out of the blue, something like this can happen, and it will change your life completely. And any inkling that I ever had to be a, quote, healthy skeptic, which I think we all should be, but any inkling of disbelief was put completely out the window when that
0: happened. Well, Andrea, we appreciate you coming on and sharing this. I know it was very difficult, um, and that's why it's taken. I just
2: hope I didn't bore everybody. (laughs) I'm 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 sorry if I went a little off kilter there.
0: I'm sure nobody's was bored by this, trust me. Uh, I think it's going to okay. be helpful to a lot of people. And, you know, so. like I said, I, I hope that you find what you're looking for, uh, even if it's just that inner peace to be able to move on.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: All I right. do. Dear, I love you and I'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay, love you
0: too. Now tell me that's not some creepy stuff.
1: It is very creepy, but good for you, honey, trying to get this thing solved for your friend.
0: Yeah, I, I can't imagine feeling like that's got to feel like you got like the weight of the world oh on gosh, you to just yeah. have something reach out like that and feel like mm-hmm. that there's something that needs to be done. I mean, I guess you feel like that his family deserves the answers, but and it, they do. But at the same time, if they've kind of dropped it, I mean, I mean, I guess at some point, like you said, you got to move on, but
1: well, I, I say, keep on plugging at it because he's, a, he's, he's obviously trying to tell you something. So,
0: yep, I agree. All right. Um, that's a story that's going to be hard to follow. Um, uh, but it is what it is. <laughs> so, uh, let's go ahead and listen to uh this interview I did with, with John Law. Um, everything that I say in this interview, I 100% meant. So, you know, I'm not just gushing because we've got uh, a writer and director on, um, uh, I, I genuinely love the movie and I think you guys would like it too. If you get a chance to go to Amazon, then, um, Get it, go ahead, and I think you'll enjoy it. And if you do, send me a message and let me know. And if yeah. you don't, um, I don't want to hear from you. We'll just, <laughs> But uh, seriously, I think you'll like it. So, yeah, you will. And, and John's a pretty fun guy, and they've got some other stuff going on. And um, I think you'll hear some connections in there, the other connections to the show when we start getting the interview. So uh, take a listen to John. All right, guys, we got a special treat for you because uh, we've got director, actor, musician john law on the phone with us and john has a new movie coming out the hatred uh that that will be making its uh debut in theaters here uh coming up really soon but before we get into the movie john i wanted to talk a little bit about you and then uh we're going to finish this up uh, uh talking about this fantastic movie that you guys gave me a uh a chance to preview and uh, really enjoyed it. So first of all, I do want to tell you that I love your work. I think you uh, have really put together something that was completely different than anything I've ever seen out there.
3: Well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you very much.
0: So tell me a little bit about John, the musician slash director slash actor slash uh, props maker and everything else that you have to do uh, on these uh, these movies.
3: Well, I, had, I was on a TV show, like a kind of a reality slash, uh, slash TV show in Los Angeles about eight years ago. And when I was on that show, um, it was called Rock and Roll Acid Test on the Fuse channel. I loved watching the crew put things together. I loved watching them talk to the producers. I loved watching the cameramen and the sound men. And I, I, I really enjoyed watching people put things together. And that inspired me. I was a musician at the time in a punk band called Statues of Liberty. That inspired me to um, try to make a try to make a movie on my own, uh, actually with my family. And we did. And we fell in love with the movie making process, every aspect of it, because in a way, by doing it all, each step helps the other or hurts the other. And I just really fell in love with the process. And I'm just really enjoying making films. And this film, we had always made dramas as a family. This film, I wanted to make a horror movie. And my wife, who helps me on all the other films, uh, wanted to write another script. So I said, hey, I'm going to make a horror movie. And me and my daughter made this horror movie together. And it was a wonderful process.
0: Well, like I I said, it's a really cool movie in the fact that the the plot of it is if you just read the plot you're like I don't know that there's this has been done like this before and when you actually see the movie unfold it was very creatively done in the fact that um well first of all the score is fantastic in the movie did you do the score yourself
3: yes i did do the score i sat around for a little while and just worked on the score um i love editing to sounds and to music and Whenever I make a movie, the first thing that I do is write the score. And so I did, I did spend a, a lot of time sitting down in the basement, uh, coming up with the score and it was a, a really fun experience.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I notice about movies and I, maybe I'm just different or weird in this way, but sometimes I like to judge a movie by if I'm not watching and only listening. And I know with your movie, I watched it once where I physically just watched it. And then I watched it again where I was laying in my bed with my eyes closed, just listening to it. And it it came across really good from an audible standpoint of just, I don't know. It it really comes across. The score is very dramatic. And I think it just, it, it adds to the movie. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is in some of these movies, the score is what makes it, and I mean, from the anticipation standpoint, from the uh, drama, from the building the suspense. The score, if it, if it would be different in some of these other movies, the movies wouldn't have been as popular. You know, you take the uh, the original Jaws, or you take you know John Carpenter whipping up what he thought was basically just something quick to add to the movie. Halloween wouldn't have been the same without that score and that Michael Myers theme song. And I think in a movie like what you did, not to say I'm comparing the score of those movies, but I think your score definitely adds way more to your movie uh, than what people initially would think until they just dissect it. Like I did.
3: Well, I agree, especially with this movie. This movie was driven musically more than any other movie I've done. Um, It was really fun to, to, to use like what I wanted to do was use a lot of drones. Like a lot of the music is based off of a drone and then adding like some kind of creepy melodies to it. Um, I, I had, it was so much easier to edit these scenes and to put in the narrative with these drones and with these uh, kind of strange melodies. And with these, like one of the things I, I, enjoyed doing was uh like taking a track and then stretching it time-wise so it got even lower-ended if that makes any sense like i changed the pitch uh, in a lot of songs that i had originally written I, I noticed if i took the sound wave and then stretched it out it became even more kind of horrifying and yeah and i, I agree with you i think that especially horror movies the score and the soundscape can be the most creepy factor of all uh, i agree and i hope in this movie I succeed in 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 using the score to kind of accelerate the the horror of it.
0: Oh you you absolutely did. Like I said that I'm one of, I'm a nerd I guess that that's sometimes I pay more attention to those type of things than than I do the the physical part of the movie, the visual part of it. And like I said, I thought that I thought the score was top notch. Now let's talk about the movie itself. Um I'm going to let you explain what the actual plot of the movie is. And what your vision was when you, when you came up with the idea of this and, and did you, did the finished product turn out exactly like you wanted it to? Or did, was there some twists and turns along the way that, you know, as you got started, thought, Oh, well, you know, this is what I originally thought, but this will be better. So tell us a little bit about uh, that as far as the making of the movie.
3: Well, okay. This is a great question. I wanted to make a movie that was purely about hatred because of a lot of the headlines and a lot of the news and a lot of the things that we've all been barraged with. There's been a lot of hatred that we've all watched. And I wanted to kind of make a movie that was kind of metaphorical about that hatred, which is while all the grownups are out there hating, their kids are out there listening. And I wanted to make a movie about that, but I wanted it to be, you know, obviously a metaphor. And I, I'd always wanted to make a Western. So I thought, Hey, this is a perfect opportunity to, take like early America right after the civil war and so a tale of hatred that that basically involves this young kid. So, you know, the, the plot is uh, a young orphan conjures up an executed soldier and together they walk through the Northern frontier and reap some heavy vengeance by delivering hell to some other soldiers that have done them wrong.
0: You know, when I, when I first started watching it, um, and to compare it to a huge movie, which is a, is a compliment as the way this was shot. It reminded me a lot of, um, uh, The Reverend. Um, was that what it, The Reverent or The Revenant with, uh, The Revenant? Yeah, The Revenant. It, it had that kind of a feel to it. I mean, it's not that kind of movie, but it, it, it for the time and the place, uh, it had that kind of a feel to it. And for a, uh, a smaller independent film, I mean, I thought that was really, uh, an excellent way of portraying this movie, because I mean, I just thought it. I just thought the the, the scenes just had that feel of, of like I really was back during that time.
3: Well, that's a, a, a great compliment. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed The Revenant quite oh. a bit. Um, if I if I was quoting any movie, I think my biggest movie quote was. Um, a movie called high Plains drifter that Clint eastwood did it, it it's set in uh it's more of a western it's more of a classic western but i i really enjoyed the uh there's a lot of hatred in that movie and um i think like in in a sense this is a, a kind of a, a postcard to that movie you know and but it is a huge compliment to to think that this is at least visually like the revenant um i wanted to capture the coldness Like I wanted the coldness of their environment to reflect the coldness of these characters. And I loved shooting in the snow. I loved shooting in the winter. It was super cold. And, you know, feet were frozen and hands didn't move, but we all stayed out there and got what we wanted. And, um, you know, I think the snow and the ice and the rivers that are, that I think they're characters in this movie. And I think they're important characters.
0: No, I a hundred percent agree with that. Now, We, we talked about props earlier and I was, uh, let in on a little, uh, funny story that uh, I'd like you to touch on if you could. But uh, apparently there's, you know, there's, there's one scene obviously in the movie, uh, to where someone is, is hanging, uh, where they had, they had been hung by, by some, uh, some soldiers. And I believe that, uh, you did the props for that and, and, uh, had a few things go wrong, but eventually ended up, uh, um, getting some validation that you did a pretty good job. Do you, uh, you know what I'm speaking about? (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's, that was very funny. So, um, I wanted, I wanted this hanging scene to take place in the snow, in a snowstorm. So I had made myself, uh, a life-size dummy out of wood and wire that that weighed quite a bit. And I I made it to match exactly my dimensions because I I wanted to look like this, uh, a grown man. And um, so one morning I woke up and it was a terrific snowstorm was coming through. I grabbed my dummy and I went down to this tree that I had earmarked for this scene and I slung up that dummy and I got my cameras out. But the dummy – kept twisting in the wind it was it was just not working with me and it didn't look good um so i so i realized you know i have to what i got to do is i got to let this dummy just sit and settle. so and plus i was freezing cold so i let the dummy just twist in the wind i went back to my house made some coffee made some breakfast went back down and the fire department was there and they were all kind of standing back there was a couple guys and they thought someone had hung themselves and (laughs) And obviously that made me, well, first scared, but then very happy. And uh, they felt a little pissed off. (laughs) And then they started to uh, relax a little. And and we all got to have a laugh over it. But it was was, uh, both nerve-wracking and redeeming at the same time. Pretty funny stuff. And this dummy really looked good. Boy, it looked good.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I knew the story before I watched the movie. So I was trying to look for it <laughs> and I was like if this is the dummy then that's pretty damn realistic looking cuz I never would have guessed that, that thing was made out of wood and wire.
3: <laughs> and it's funny because where we hung where we hung the the dummy was about um about a football field away from uh, you know a small country road. So you know it, it was also funny that they were a little worried about they, they they couldn't quite figure out what to do whether you know to go get this dummy and cut him you know it was it was, it was a great scene it was and i'm really glad i got down there before they cut my dummy down yeah about that
0: so let's let's <laughs> let me ask you this so um this movie is making its theatrical uh debut it'd be in the theaters. In New York on January 6th. Am I correct on that?
3: Yes. That's our, that's our opening. January 6th at Anthology Film Archives Building. Awesome. Beautiful theater. We're really excited about it. Really excited.
0: So you've got this movie that actually is available to the listeners today, though, isn't it?
3: It absolutely is. So, um, you know, one of the things we learned from our other movies is there's a lot of ways to get your product out there you can go through distributors, you can, you know, go through movie houses. But one of the things we realized was that you could go through yourself and you could enjoy the process and work with people that you wanted to work with and have venues that you wanted to, uh, you could have a lot of control in the process, basically of, of getting eyes on on the product. So this is available on Amazon and it's available now we're really excited about it so far it's getting a terrific reception it's a it's a a sweet little compact movie which is what we wanted and we are working with de on a prequel so that's exciting too um it when you watch this movie if you watch it on amazon you'll quickly see that it lends itself to more stories it's not something that' just has a beginning and an end in fact, it's a little endless and I think that's what the beauty of this this myth is and um I'm really excited to be working with Blue de Gaullier because he's perfect for extending this myth and showing the depth of this myth and you know bringing in a, a some fun emotions to these characters because you know, within hatred, there's you know there's bravado, there's there's vengeance, there's sadness, there's there's so many human you know elements to hatred, and um, you know when the when the viewer watches the movie, they'll understand what I'm talking about. There's there's something that that continues the hatred, and and they'll they'll see that when they see the movie. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: Well, you know, when, when I found out there was going to be a prequel and I, and I found that out before watching the movie, I found myself trying to figure out how the prequel would go. What, it, what's it going to be about? How's it going to, and it, it, you're right. It really does lend itself to several different storylines to the point where I probably figured out five different ways to do a prequel or something afterwards. And, and I, I, I couldn't pinpoint anything that it could have been. And I doubt that Blue would tell me. So. <laughs>
3: how did he bother to ask well it's i i probably shouldn't say too much um but i will say this about it it's um the whole idea came to fruition when me and my family were driving to alaska and we were reading a lot about the blackfoot and the first nations and how they dealt with the early pioneers and the cavalry and the settlers and um there was a lot of stories of And this is where this idea came to, you know, to fruition. And, and basically that's where we're going to go with the prequel is we're going to examine that and we're going to, you know, tell that story. And, and that's an, you know, that's a sad, brutal, but important story to tell. And I, I, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to um, spin that one and I'm, you know, looking forward to shooting it and I'm looking forward to everything about it. And I, I love the way Blue writes. So I just think it's going to be a, a terrific, you know, tale. And and I like the mythic quality. What I'm what I really love about doing this movie, The Hatred, is there's a mythic kind of quality to it. It's it's like the, like one of the things I loved about The Omen is the reference to religion and like idolatry, that kind of black magic. It's a celebration of those ideas and the belief in that.
0: No, I can definitely see that, and and I'm I'm excited to see what the what the prequel brings. And you know, our listeners out there, we're we're talking about Blue. Um, you guys may not know immediately who Blue is, but he's done some movies. But he's also one of the main writers uh, of Hillbilly Horror Show, which you guys have have. Uh, you know, been accustomed to hearing from us on our Twitter feeds and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, this, this guy has a knack for putting together some quality stuff and um, yeah, I can see why you're excited to work with him because he really is a talented man when it comes to the, uh, uh, this side of the business. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, we're going to wrap this thing up. How can um, the listeners out there learn more about the movie? Where can they see the trailer at? Uh, we've posted it on our website, but if they wanted to go to uh, somewhere else, uh, I'm sure you probably have a website for the movie. Uh, tell them how they can find out more about this film.
3: Well, actually, the best place to uh, to, to follow us is we have a Facebook page, um, and we're on IMDb. And, um, you know, just the hatred, it's a, a – a, if you look on Facebook, it's a poster of a young – young kid walking in the snow with a red the uh, hatred it's a very iconic looking poster um we got a lot of action over there and uh, that's the best place to kind of follow what we're doing um, we have an instagram which is adams.family.films um where we're also you know doing everything um and there's a twitter account um so there's we're out there and we're we're going for it, and we'd love to. We'd love to talk with you, answer any questions you have, and you know, this is a lot of fun. And we're always looking for ideas and feedback. So if you want to join us, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Well, John, we'll play some uh, links on our uh, Facebook page, and that way people will help find. Like I so said, we we posted earlier in the week um, the uh, uh, the trailer, so people can check it out and then like i said we'll continue to, to keep posting because i'm a big believer in this in this film i think uh, you guys did an excellent job especially for uh, a small independent film and, and the budget i'm sure is you know such a small amount compared to the big movies that are out there and you guys have a big movie feel to it so uh, i i want to say c- well, thank congrats you, so
3: yeah. you know just well thank you for your support and thank you for your feedback and you know it's it's great talking with you about it and it's it's great talking with someone who watches a movie and listens to a movie that's that's the real joy from from my point of view
0: so the movie is the hatred uh like i said it's on amazon right now go to amazon and check it out and um I, i'm you'll be as happy with it as i as i was because i'm telling you it just it's different than anything that's out there and uh that's the best i can I should say about point it.
3: Out, i'm sorry i should point out if you don't mind that there's actually believe it or not when i made when i started making the hatred. There was no IMDb page of another hatred, but there is actually another hatred movie, too. And so when people go to uh, uh, Amazon to watch the movie, there's two posters. Ours is a very stark poster of a black figure walking in the snow. And that kind of is what sets us apart from the other movie, The Hatred. So if you go through, there are two hatreds and you can watch them both. But ours is the the stark (laughs) one with this figure walking through. No.
0: yeah i've not seen the other one i know what it is because it came out i think in september maybe um but i remember seeing the trailers when they came out but I, I think it went pretty quick to video so uh i didn't get a chance to see it but yeah i did i didn't know there was two of them but yours does stand out because of the big red the hatred it just like you said it's kind of iconic
3: and there's some, i have to admit you know the competitive guy in me is is there's something kind of fun about going up against a a big studio movie uh you know We'll see David and Goliath, you know, so there's, there's something kind of fun about that too. I, I haven't watched the other hatred, but maybe I should just to see what Goliath looks like.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a totally different type of movie. It's, it's one of those Annabelle type movies is what it is. So, um,
3: okay. Yeah. So
0: you know how it is scary, scary, something in the house and it's not what it seems, blah, 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 blah. Stereotypical.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Scary something in the (laughs) house. Well, cool.
0: Well, John, I appreciate it so much, So I, I wish you very much success and, uh, with this movie and, and everything else you got going on. And, um, yeah, it sounds like you got, you know, just judging by what my eyes and my, you know, seeing my ears here, you got a good uh, a start to a fantastic career. So I'm excited to see what the future holds for you myself.
3: Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me on your show. And I look forward to meeting you in person one day soon.
0: No problem, sir. Thank you so much.
3: Okay, rock and roll.
0: See, he seems like a fun guy to just hang with.
1: Of course. I would love to hang.
0: And like I said, our buddy uh, buddies from Hillbilly Horror Show, who we've partnered up with a lot, they actually, um, uh, Blue, who actually is one of the main writers to them, he's working on a prequel to this, and oh, he's a wow. very,
3: Blue, Blue's
0: very talented. He does a lot of different stuff, mm-hmm. so I can't wait to see that. He's uh, he's excited about it. I know I talked to him the other day, and he said that he's got a lot of good things uh, as far as idea-wise going for that movie, so. Very cool. Well, guys, that puts the wraps on uh, this version of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Once again, you've made a lot of dreams come true for us this year. I kind of almost hate to see the, the this year end. But at the same time, I know there are tons of great things going to happen next year. So I'm ready to just move ahead. And thank you, guys.
1: Yeah, thank you all so much for your support this year. And to all the great friends we have met and made, we are just so blessed and happy we... Hopefully we can t- continue on next year and have a thousand more friends. So that would be great.
0: And, uh, in August, uh, I think it's August 10th to the 12th, but there's, uh, it's on our page. We posted it everywhere. We will be in New Orleans, Louisiana for Potter and Love Podcast Festival.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about that. Go and, uh, my beads on.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, th- that will not happen. <laughs> uh, but that's being brought by, uh, Jeremy Collins' this group, uh, podcast we listen to. Uh, he's helping us set that up and, uh, yeah, we're excited that no, they they so asked excited. us to be a part of it, and we're anxious to meet a lot of people. I know, cause,
1: I'm so anxious.
0: So yeah, it's going to be fun. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be there, and uh I'll post the the uh, website so people can buy tickets and stuff ahead of time. But plan on being there in August, and we'll meet up with you guys then.
1: All right. Sounds like a good party waiting to happen.
0: And I'm going to bring this up before people start sending negative emails. But But uh, at the beginning of the show, oh. at the intros, <laughs> uh, one of our listeners actually, and he ran this by, by us in person last week. Um, so we were well aware of what this was going to say, but the little... Um, hillbilly intro that made the comment about tracy having a face for radio that was just done in good fun she she heard it beforehand she was fine with it while we played it but uh yeah james is a good listener and uh, his, him, and his wife just had a a baby here oh in the last gosh, week. Oh my
1: gosh! Gorgeous baby. Yeah,
0: and so yeah, he that was done out of fun, and it was just uh, hey, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. I you like
1: go! I know I got it going on. Come on, now. <laughs> so, no, I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> but but yeah, so that was done out of fun. So uh, if anybody hears that, that oh yeah, it was it, please. Was, it it's, was it's all yeah, good. It's no big deal. So we love you guys, and we'll see you next week.
3: Happy New Year.